This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Freeman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. All right, Project, welcome back to this episode of In the Black. So, obviously, business show today. We are going to be talking about business advice. Uh, I think that, well, I know that there is a lot of information out there. How do you disseminate between good and bad information, whether it's just an offhand comment from your mum and dad, or if it's you know a YouTube video that you've been clicked on, or maybe it's a book that someone sent you. You know, what are some of the things that you can look for to, I guess, help guide you in terms of, you know, some stuff's really good, some stuff's really bad, some stuff applies to you, some doesn't. How can you disseminate all these different things? So that's what we're going to get into today. But before we do, of course, uh, the best or some of the best advice that we get that's always reliable, always trustworthy, is the advice from our coaches at MPE Fitness. Uh, That's N-P-E. Some of you have uh, asked the spelling of that. MPE Fitness. Um, If you guys missed their webinar on organic versus paid marketing last week, I highly recommend going back and checking out that webinar. You don't have to be there live. You can just watch the replay now. It's completely free as well. So make sure you go to the mindmuscleproject.com slash NPE to check out that webinar where Sean dives into organic versus paid marketing and I highly recommend if you are not doing much organic marketing, it is the core, it is 95% of what's going to bring in the quality leads. You need to be doing it, you need to be doing it extremely well and it's very evergreen and it's less time consuming and less resource consuming than paid marketing. So make sure you check that out and then as well guys, if you're interested in buying or interested in selling your gym even just finding out the what you would get for your gym if you did sell it, go to AFS Brokers or you can go to obviously our link, our website, themindmuscleproject.com slash AFS. So Elliot there owns AFS Brokers, obviously listing all the gyms that are for sale in Australia. And then, you know, he's also giving you guys an outline if you have a gym as to what to expect you can get for your gym if you were to list it. And then of course, you know, if you were to, you know, maybe not be at the the price you want for it yet and you want to sell it in the future, what metrics you need to bring up in order to achieve that and for how long you need to hold those metrics for in order to get that price. So all valuable information if you're interested. Again, the mymuscleproject.com slash AFS for all that information about buying and selling gyms. Okay. I think the first place to start um, is on, on this topic is who is telling you this information? Um, obviously, there are so many so-called gurus, business gurus uh, out there and it's really hard to, you know, I guess, decide if I should listen to this person or not um, and so really, you have to take a deep dive into the person and, you know, why would they be telling you this advice? What have they achieved themselves and, I guess, unpacking those as, as honestly as possible and really finding out the truth behind the scenes because some people have fake stories, right? Uh, but, yeah, I think... Really, who this person is, is is the most important thing when it comes to information because all information is coming from someone, right? So, who is this person? What have they done? What have they achieved? Why are they telling you this? Yeah, and then, I mean, that's obviously massive is what they've done in the past. That's going to probably show you their biases maybe coming into it as well. Um, I mean, it's not the only one. They could have been really successful in something, but, you know, maybe for whatever reason, maybe it was a bit of luck. Maybe they had like a really good business partner or team and, and maybe their advice now is not going to hold true for you in, in this circumstance. You've got to, I think, really analyze, yeah, the person telling you. One other factor in the person telling you is also, you know, are they going to be around for the long term in this? So are they maybe a silent business partner and they really want to see the success of it because they're going to be there to go through it? Uh, are they going to be a like an active person in this? So whatever you choose, they're going to deal with the consequences right there with you. 
or is it someone completely removed and they're going to give you the device and walk away and never see you again? Yeah. Right. All those things can really change it. Often, I think if they're never going to see you again, they might be um, just more able to give very risky advice. Ah, oh, it's worth a crack. Yeah. They're not going to be there to see the consequences, you know, yeah. whereas someone's there and their money's on the line, they're going to be more risk adverse. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think as well, like finding out what has this person achieved as well, what level of success have they achieved? And for me, I think if someone has achieved, I think one of the, the most uh, telltale signs that someone has been successful and that their advice is really good is that they've succeeded across multiple ventures and multiple industries. You know, they might have been a professional athlete and then they ventured into one business and they were successful and then they ended up working for some other major company that hired them after they sold and they're doing really well and they're really successful there. And then maybe they became, you know, maybe they wrote a book or something. It was a successful book. So they're succeeded. They've obviously applied the principles of success and what it takes to be successful in those fields and they and they do really well. And it's, it's just one of those things where I think people limited their... I think the hardest thing about success is getting success in one area and one arena and then translating everything you've done there and doing it again well, I'll, somewhere I'll else. Good example. So we had some advice... We can probably do tons of examples of these in the show, but um, we had one piece of advice. I think we were not sure how far into running the gyms, maybe like six months into running the gyms, so not that long. Uh, and we got some advice from someone that had worked at a bank, and they were really just like, "Okay, let's work out how much does it cost for us to have a member, how much is that? All right, anything above that is going to be good. So we should just lower our prices. Lower our prices, we'll capture more of the market, get tons of members, and we're going to do well." That probably maybe works better in the banking industry. Uh, it works really, really poorly in a service industry uh, because I think what well, the person hadn't had hadn't had that experience in a service industry, so we didn't realize, hey, the quality of client you're going to get that level is going to be really, really bad, you know. And then a really bad client is going to lead to a really unhappy experience for you know me and you as the trainers or as the gym owners in that in that situation. Whereas that person wasn't actually going to be a trainer. So they weren't going to have to have that experience. So their advice was, I guess, very limited in that point of view. They just saw, oh, if I just look at the bank statements, hey, this strategy might work in the next six, nine months. Right. But for the actual people who were going to have to live and breathe it and be there every day, this was going to be a complete nightmare, dropping your price to be the cheapest gym in the area. So that's an example of how, yeah, in one industry, you come across to a different service industry, you can give some bad advice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that... um yeah, the the arena which this person has succeeded in is is huge, and then I think as well like the level of success that someone has achieved is also important. If someone has been moderately successful in lots of things, I would you know take that less seriously than someone who has gone absolutely insane levels of success in just one thing. So even though lots of things can be good, like I just mentioned, I think though getting to the top of a mountain like a really really high level in one thing. There's so much more learnings at every level and every stage there that you would miss if you kind of got out halfway in lots of different things. So, yeah, in order to be the best at something, there's it takes a whole different level of dedication. If someone, you know, there's there's so many, I'm not going to call them out by names, but there are so many gym owners that achieved the most moderate amount of success, you know, turnover $30,000, $35,000 a month, you know, a 10% profit and paid themselves fifty grand a year and decided, okay, it's too hard now and... I need another way to make money. And so they start telling people on how to how to build a successful gym. I'm like, you built a very average, moderately okay, successful gym and managed to get yourself off the floor. And that's probably the, the two things you did okay. You became profitable and you got yourself off the floor. And so now you feel entitled to tell other people what to do. Um, if we got out of gym owning when we did that, we would, you know, 
and we started teaching business coaching. We've been teaching business coaching years ago. But, you know, for us, that's not the level we want to be at. You know, but if you built a franchise to 500 gyms and sold out at $100 million, you know, you have so much more experience and lessons and value than someone that's only had a moderate amount of success. So, honestly, if you're listening to this, you own a gym and you're getting mentored by someone who has not built a gym successfully, I wouldn't be listening to them. I definitely wouldn't be paying them. I think they've, they're just totally kidding themselves um, and they've just got you fooled. They're just obviously good salespeople and they've somehow convinced you but they're liars and then they're never going to give you advice that's going to get you to the next stage and the best part about this whole thing is unless they're a psychopath, they know that themselves. They know they go to bed every night and they go, oh yeah, the people I'm teaching how to run gyms, I'm just kind of making it up as I go because I actually never did it myself but the confidence and the... I guess, I guess you would call it the just the peace of mind knowing that you've done it and that it works and that you might still be doing it is also I think super important for the for the mentor as well. So I think it even helps as well if someone's mentoring you and they're still in the trenches and they're still doing it also. Yeah, what's good about that is it gives you really specific advice and the more success they've had is the more steps ahead they can look. So yeah. if someone's only two steps ahead, it's quite good because it's quite fresh in their memory and they can definitely you know, very recently show you how to go up one or two steps. So some of that advice is going to be really good, but there's the potential to have some bad advice in there because maybe they're not looking another three or four steps ahead. So they won't be able to tell you the problems you're about to incur or how this is not going to lead to, it's going to help you get two steps ahead, but it's going to make it even slower to get 10 steps ahead. And it's a different path that you could take there. So that's what you got to take into account. So it's not that you want to ignore all the advice, but realize that the advice they're giving is going to be limited because the stretch of road that they've seen on their car trip is limited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so next part is really thinking about, I, I kind of touched on it, we'll, we'll keep it brief here, but the incentives of someone telling you this advice as well. So, uh, why, you know, you just have to understand and you know, we can give some examples here, but why is this person giving you this advice? Like you said at the start, is it because they're an owner and they want to see you succeed, you know, sorry, silent partner and they want to see you succeed and their success is tied to your success or is it someone that, you know, just likes the idea of, you know, it's a bit of an ego stroke for him to have people come up to them and ask them for advice and say, oh, you're amazing and this sort of thing. And, and they'll just throw out any advice to anyone just because it just, they like the idea of people coming up and giving them advice. Is it give the, does it create content for them? Does it help build their business? Are they a coaching business? Are they a consult business? Just what are the incentives of the person telling you this advice and just make sure the incentives are in the right place. And I think when they are in the right place, then it can be very well. And it's easy to follow the incentives with the money. I'll give you an example, you know, for these SEO companies uh, that you know do your Google AdWords and that sort of stuff for that, because their incentive is just to get their invoice paid at the end of the month, it doesn't actually, that's, that's just their, their incentive is just to get the invoice done and get the work done. Their incentive is not for you to succeed. If, you're, if you can tie their success with your success and, they, and therefore them getting paid, so saying, hey, we will pay you if we achieve X amount of leads, then you have you know, you have the accountability there, you have the incentives in the right place. So, you could even do it from a gym perspective, right? That's why we do the money back guarantee for 30 days because that basically says, hey, within 30 days, if we don't deliver all the things that we're promising here and more and you don't absolutely love it, have all your money back because we completely let you down and we didn't deliver a service and that's holding us accountable to delivering a great service Uh, and it's really holding the client accountable to showing up and stuff as well and trying to take full advantage of that service. So, just a few things to consider. 
but definitely where are the incentives uh, when telling this advice? Yeah, and you want to think about it's like, say you go to someone, they're going to help you with your Facebook ads. They might give you some really good advice. Oh, maybe try these ads. All right, it's not work. Let's try these ads. The one thing they never say is, maybe you should just not do any Facebook ads at the moment. Yeah. They never say that. No. And that's maybe the advice someone else would give you, right? Because it's like a butcher. They're never like, oh, maybe just vegan. Maybe vegan's going to be good for you. Never, yeah. right? It's going to be like rum. It's going to be sausage. It's going to be something different that they offer. And so it's maybe all good advice. Maybe they are good sausages, good steaks. But it's still going to be the advice that really down the line they're going to be giving you, you know? And that mm. could maybe go for a good gym business coach. They're probably not going to recommend just getting out of the gym industry altogether, you know, because obviously you're going to end your coaching. They might if they're really good coaches, but it's probably not going to be down their mindset. Mm. Uh, so you've got to really yeah, think about, I guess, the frame of, of who's telling it. How do they really want the best for you? Are they just trying to impress you because they're a friend? Uh, all those things are going to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so next one is the timeline. So some t- obviously... With all advice and all success advice, people usually put a timeline on it. They say, oh, okay, you know, you can get it done in this amount of time or this time frame or whatever. And one of the, just as a general rule, and now obviously this is so contextual every time, but I always find as a general rule, if someone is telling you it's in a time frame which seems too good to be true, it's generally bad advice. Generally bad advice. If someone's giving you a really long time frame, Generally, I think it's good advice. If they're like, man, you know what? To grow a profitable company and you know to make your first million dollars probably going to take about 10 years in business. You're like, fuck, man, that's a long time. That's, that's pretty good advice. I think that's pretty accurate advice. Someone's like, man, I reckon like 12 months, like pretty good, maybe even six. Then you know it's, it's usually going to be a bunch of bullshit because there's always exceptions to the rule. It's easy to mention those things. Oh, yeah, but you know, Uber did it or Tesla did it or, you know, you know, the whiskey, what's uh, what's the proper 12 whiskey? They did a billion dollar sales in their first 12 months. Like, these are all exceptions mm. to the rule. So, what you have to look at is the rule. And generally, the rule is it takes a lot of time to build these amazing things. There's such a long learning process. I mean, think about the first three, four, five years in business, what we were doing. Like, we were just kind of doing the same thing over and over again today and we weren't really taking it seriously. Our learning process was just a lot slower. So, the... Yeah, the time that you need to just learn these lessons and to put structures in place and to find the right people and to make mistakes and, you know, just the process of hiring someone, finding out it's about hire, going through the process of getting rid of them, seeing their mistakes. Like that process is just a, a long, it just takes time. It's a time intensive process. Uh, there's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, and it's a learning process. And if you've got to compound multiple years of learning how to hire people, because, you know, having a great team, having a great culture, learning how to build that it takes a long time no one ha- like hires straight off the bat the first 10 people and keeps all of them and grows mm. a huge company it's just not how it works it's just a process to move through people um and so yeah just really there that's just why you're adding on years to this process of success yeah and that i guess it also usually changes i think when they give you advice that's very short term often they are trying to maybe get a bit more of that impressing you because if you give someone very long-term advice, you're not going to get that like, oh, that sounds awesome, usually reaction. You're like, oh, wow. Okay, that sounds good, but that's a long time. You know, so it's a, it's a really different reaction, I think, potentially that, that person's that person's giving you. Um, so I usually think, and it's usually also just more realistic for them as well. Most advice, they're probably going to be on the optimistic side for this thing. Um, so it's generally, a, it's generally a pretty good rule of thumb. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so next thing is hard versus easy work. Now, generally, I think most of the time when someone's giving you advice, they're going to say it's going to be a lot of hard work, which I think is good. I mean, it's definitely good advice. But I also think that in many ways, there is a lot of things that come about 
in business that is actually easy. And sometimes at a certain point, it can be easier. Well, not completely easy, but easier work to make good money. So I wouldn't, I guess with this point, what I'm trying to get across is that if someone says it's easy, they might not be wrong. There are instances, there are definitely things that you can do in business where it is easier to make money for sure. It's not in its essence very easy. Otherwise, obviously everyone would do it. But there are ways where it's like, here is the really hard, difficult path and here is the easier path. The hard and difficult part is not always the path with more money, you know? Uh, And I think it's always drilled into us that it's like, no man, it's always the insane hard work. And like, yeah, it is hard work growing your business and like trying to get to your goals. And it's always worth it for us. However, there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, the easier path here is actually the better path. And so I wouldn't always default to hard work always being the best thing, you know? So someone tells you, man, you know, it's just it's just better to just dig a hole with a spade. And someone's like, well, I've got a bulldozer. Okay, it's better to dig a hole with a bulldozer, you know, if you're trying to dig more holes. Sure, you learn grit and you learn resilience and it's a good workout to dig it with a spade. But if you've got to dig 100 holes in 10 days, get the bulldozer, you know? So the easy path can isn't always, no, it can be the best part. You know, I mean, the people you want to get advice from people that find making money going to their account easy. Mm. That's the people, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's easy for them. Yeah. yeah. It's same as someone strong. Oh, how hard's 50 kilos for you? It's easy for me. Mm. Ah, tell me more. Yeah. You know, that exactly. That, that's that's what you want. And yeah, it, it is good. And, and often I find people that maybe, yeah, not giving the best advice, they're saying, hey, it's really hard. It's, it's, it's potentially because it's hard for them. Mm. You know, it's always been really hard for them. They've never managed to make it easy. So, you know, that they're going to take that bias into it. So, yeah, it's definitely not like, hey, if it's always hard, it's always better advice and it's easy. But obviously, the same rule is true. If it's like too easy and it sounds ridiculous, a very good chance it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a hard versus the easy path, I guess, this mm. this particular point. Um, okay. So, uh, the next part is uh, something you wanted to bring up, which is how sometimes in the short term, Advice can be very good, but it actually hurts you in the long term. Yeah, and best example of this point for fitness is just all the fitness challenges, mm-hmm. right? There's tons of business advice and there's some people tell you to do them, some people tell you not to do them. When you really look into it is that when you're taking on business advice, you're the one who has the business. So you are the one that has to deal with all the long-term consequences of the business. So I think when businesses is giving you advice or someone's giving you business advice and it's very short-term focused, you have to really think through the long-term consequences because you're the one who's going to be stuck with them. The person giving the short-term advice, often either they're making money out of it or they're going to get the self-satisfaction of proving that they were right in the short term. They don't have to deal with the long-term consequences. So I think if you have an even inkling that this is maybe not going to be good in the long term, I would be staying way, way away from that advice. You need to be, I would be looking for the opposite. What are things that are going to be awesome in the long term that maybe aren't as good in the short term? that's usually the advice going to be better for you because that's the one you're going to live with. You're going to live in the long term. You're not going to live in the short term. Mm, yeah. I think probably the best examples in business of this is like first one with staff, right? So in the short term, sometimes it's better to just hire someone to fill in mm-hmm. you know, a couple of spots in the schedule. But maybe they're like not a great trainer. Maybe they're probably you know, not really the standard that you're looking for. Uh, they probably don't fit the culture quite as well. But man, right now, it's just so hard to like you know, coach these classes and fill the gap and the team's already stretched as it is, well, fucking stretch, right? Stretch, make it work because in the long term, you've got to protect your culture, you've got to protect your clients, you've got to protect the service and 
just because you don't feel like working the extra couple hours each week and each staff member doesn't want to give up their Friday night and so we just find some shitty coach. Well, those clients are getting a terrible experience on the Friday night and that is going to hurt you in the long term. Yes, maybe in the short term you get your Fridays back but in the long term, now you're going to have to deal with a shitty coach that didn't talk to members correctly, didn't show up on time, maybe someone got injured and now you've got to fire this person. Now that person's going to talk badly about you. So that in, in many ways in business is a bad example. Oh, sorry, is a good example of you know when it can go really bad. So just consider that is this just a band-aid fix that's going to potentially cause me more long-term issues in the future? If it is, what's the what do you reckon the worst thing we've done in the short term that's kicked us in the long term, or vice versa? Uh, well, obviously, it's, yeah, some of the hiring examples is is probably uh, the one thing. Um, oh man, so many, so many I, I things mean, that we've I done. Think, I think a good example for us, and that we often have, you know, people that come into MPE have to do is raising your prices is a really good one. Is it nearly everyone has short-term pain? Mm. psychological pain usually you lose money in the short term nearly always you lose money in the short term because you have people leave um, but almost always that's better for you in the long run yeah but that was, a, that was a move to improve our, ourselves in the long term yeah exactly yeah, so yeah. That, that's a good example of saying something that is pretty bad in the short term but right. can work really well for you in the in, in the long in, term in the long term yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think yeah things that we've done in the short term I mean really yeah it was yeah when we first took over our gym we had a Groupon challenge yeah, we didn't choose to do the Groupon challenge, but we live with the consequences of this Groupon challenge. Um, same thing; it was tons of extra work at the start. Yeah, wasn't very fun, mm. and in the long term, none of them were around. I mean, in some ways, we're doing it right now with locker room is because we're trying to be exclusive when picking clients. But at the same time, you know, we have debt to service, mm. we have bills to pay. It's tempting to take on any client, um, but we've got to stick to our value. Okay, long term, is this person going to be the best value for the gym? Is it better to pass up a few opportunities to get clients, to have better clients long term? The answer is generally always yes. Live with a bit of pain, live with a bit of tightness on the bills and moving some payments around and probably not having as, you know, being as comfortable as you want, as you want to, to say no to a couple of people that you know probably aren't the best for the gym. Um, and it's never going to be perfect, but if you just keep it in mind, I think you're always going to come from a place of strength. Um, but one of the examples I actually was going to give is, and I think a lot of people make this mistake, is they buy cheap equipment in uh, to fix stuff. So like, oh, we need bands. Cool, just get the cheapest bands again. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's one of the benches broke. Just get the next cheapest bench. And we've made that mistake a lot. And I think you're better off with no benches mm. than five cheap benches, you know, because all those benches are going to break and all that money is going to get wasted. And that experience... you got five benches to fix. Yeah, and that experience of just having not great benches... Is never good. And like, yeah, look, to be honest, we... Like the we advice probably, to buy assault bikes. Yeah. We could probably do with some better benches as I'm, as I'm saying this as well. So we still continue to make and learn from these mistakes. But it's just a good example that sometimes going cheap on equipment just to kind of fill that void of the equipment. Maybe it's better just to not have that mm. equipment and just ruin that client experience or just have that money sort of wasted. Um, okay, so next thing, uh, you love this one at the moment, is irreversible versus non-irreversible. Yeah, so I think... When you're trying to get good advice, business advice, you've you got to separate it out. Okay, how seriously am I going to look into this advice? Is you're thinking, right? do I need to like triple check it, whatever. I think that if it's going to be reversible, the decision you're going to make, then you can be a lot more light-handed with it. You can be like, oh yeah, I might just give it a go. When you give it a go, you're going to learn. So maybe you're like introducing a new class at the gym. Cool, you can just take it away. Particularly if you communicate correctly to the members. Hey, we're going to introduce this. We're going to test it. If it works, we'll keep it. If not, we're going to pull it out. 
that's probably something that you can just maybe not look that much into the advice. If you get advice to try something new and you can see for yourself. Something non-reversible is something I think or irreversible you really want to put some time and effort into. And I think if somebody light-handed gives you advice on something that's irreversible, it's probably already bad advice. Mm. Straight away, they've given you bad advice. You know that for a fact because anything irreversible, you want to triple check. And that good examples of that is obviously not completely irreversible, but it's difficult to unfold. Yeah. Would be like a new business partner, um, maybe signing on to any sort of like contract or lease that is just like very difficult to get out of. Those are often paths that, yeah, they're difficult to unwind. I would just say, yeah, I was going to say, and it's going to make the point you made it, but um, nothing's irreversible, no. but it's just like extremely hard yeah. to reverse. It'd be like changing your name, right? It's like, okay, is this a perfect name? No, not really, but we uh, we can just change it later. It's like, nah, you, it's actually really hard to change yeah. your name later. You know, it's a difficult process. We went through it. So like one of my one of my mates, he's like starting a new uh, app at the moment. And I was like, ah, oh, he's really tied to this name, but his name sucks. Mm. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell him because I'm like, if he gets down the track and he decides to change the name, it's going to cause him more heartache. That's close to irreversible. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, hey, change your name now. I'm like, mm. before you launch this thing, it's not a good name. And he's like, ah, oh, really? I was like, yeah. Has no one told you that? He goes, I didn't really give it much thought. I was like, all right, good. Well, yeah, it sucks. Mm. So like, get a bit. And so we've been going back and forth on names. And now he feels a lot better about the new name that he's chosen. And I was just like, man, that would have been so easy to go back and forth and WhatsApp mm. now deciding it versus like, hey, we put like $5 million into marketing and we decided the name's no good and it's time to change it. Mm. Fuck, that's like a pretty hard thing to reverse. So just simple things like that. Yeah, there's, there's better timing for certain things as well. And yeah, like you said, how much weight am I putting into this thought? Um, okay, so next thing is um, the person that's giving you the advice, uh, you have to, or where the advice is coming from, uh, everything is contextual and every generation is faced with different problems and have a dis- has a different perspective. Some stuff is, I guess, uh, moves uh, principles that move across generations and some stuff gets stuck in older generations and doesn't apply anymore. So I think that's like, you know, when I take advice from, my grandfather who ran a business for 50 years and did extremely well and was a great entrepreneur i have to disseminate the advice and the principles he's giving me do i carry those across into me which ones apply and which don't apply and i think that just takes a bit of just knowledge and wisdom from from your behalf to decide what's good and what's not good yeah and then this can also come specific to if you have a client base already if you're already in business I often think business advice from someone in the generation that you like to serve is often going to be closer to home than ones that are from a generation you don't serve. Mm. So if you like to serve 40-year-olds, people in that age range are often going to give you more appropriate advice. And then if your parents are in the 60s, they're probably going to be off the mark. Mm. But definitely also people in their 20s. Mm. Some young kids are like, oh man, I know all about marketing and this. It's like, yeah, but you might not really understand the generation that I'm trying to serve. Yeah. So then you got to cons- it's not that they're always going to be right, but I do think You've got to take that in consideration. Yeah. It's like when someone, we tell them the locker room prices. Oh my God. What? I would never pay that. I'm like, exactly. Like, no, but they, not- they don't say I. They were like, no one will ever pay that. Yeah. I'm like, no, but you don't hang out with people 15 years older than you. Yeah. That are CEOs. Yeah. They're founder companies. Like, you don't know what it's like to have nine figures in your bank account. You know, that no. that's different. They see that and they go, oh, that's perfect. That's what I want. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I walked into to Curbs and I was like, this is like the worst gym on the planet. Yeah. They actually have hundreds of thousands of members. Yeah. Because to an old person, they walk in, they go, that's amazing. Yeah. Look at this amazing equipment. I love those bright purple colors and yeah. just the weights are all light, yeah. ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing heavy, no grunting, no sweating. Yeah. I mean, there's so much context that goes into generations and it's just always something that you need to consider with advice. Just because someone 
is a well-accomplished uh, business person doesn't always mean their advice applies to you in your generation and your context. Like people are like, oh, you know, you tell someone about TikTok. They're like, oh, it sounds stupid. Yeah. It's not that stupid now. <laughs> Do you know how many people are trying to become TikTok yeah. stars in like, you know, 12 to 16 years old? All of them. Every single one of them. Um, okay. And then last thing, which is getting even more specific is being industry specific as well. Now, it doesn't always mean someone from your industry has the best advice. It just means they have the most specific and potentially relevant advice right now. But some industries that are potentially older or younger than you can tell you things that you know apply and, and might apply in the future and, and give you a good sign ahead of time. Now, an example for that is if you look at the tech industry, right? Probably one of the newest and most dynamic industries in the world. If you look at how their industry is approaching problem solving, and how money and investment moves within the tech industry because it's like the biggest and the fastest growing industry in the world, you can see, okay, what, how is that, you know, because these companies that lend out money and they invest and how people behave around these, uh, I guess, products and technologies can give you an indication as to what may be coming for your industry. You know, if you have a really old, really dead, really set in stone industry and you see something like tech doing all this crazy stuff and all this attention going towards it, what principles are they using that I could potentially apply to my industry? If my industry has been pretty stagnant, pretty stale, there hasn't been a lot of innovation, tech is all about innovation, right? Tech prioritizes innovation. Okay, what if I brought a different mindset of innovation to my industry? How could my industry benefit? Or potentially the opposite, right? Maybe... Uh, maybe you're in tech and it's so dynamic, it's so diverse that potentially you're going, wait, there's no market need. You're trying to be so innovative that you're trying to create something that there's no need for that sort of thing. You need to go back to something like law or something like accounting, something more stable and be like, okay, what is it that makes this industry work? What is it makes the staying power of a law firm last for you know, 50, 60, 100 years? What makes those work? How can I apply those principles? into my more dynamic, newer industry. And so, stuff like that, I think, is, is really important. And, I, you know, I was having an example at lunch today when I was sitting down with some business owners and she was like, oh, you know, when I started at the gym 10 years ago, it felt like, you know, there was just weights and cardio. And now, like, every single day, there's a new fat. And every gym pops up is like a fat. And she's like, how do you just, like, avoid being a fat? And I'm like, well, okay, so in this instance in the fitness industry, everyone's focusing on the training. That is why they're fads because they, they're bringing out the new training style, altitude training, boxing training, this training, that training. That's always going to come and go. For us, what's important is the brand, is the community, is different principles. And you can get that from other industries. You can get that from from finance industries and see why they work. You know, the, the industries that have that staying power, the businesses that have that staying power from different industries. How can we apply those? How do they work to an industry that is like fads? No real also, fads yeah, in finance. As well, you know, when we start now, we're focusing on the quality, not on the training. Yes. So when you focus on the training, you're like, we're not even saying you're good, you're just saying you're doing this thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're not even good, we're just doing whatever, the altitude, we're doing the 30 second, or we're doing the electrodes in your eyeballs, right? We're <laughs> just doing some shit, right? They're not saying quality, whereas we're not doing anything, we're just doing gym really, really good. Mm. And, great and, and, service. Yeah, great service. So it's like, hey, what are you, oh, look, we're just a hairdresser. Really, really good hairdresser. That's yeah. going to be around for a long time, right? As long as we got hair, yeah, I assume. But yeah, some maybe like, oh, we just specialize in like this type of fade. I guess that could be a fad, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it definitely could, but it's not. Fades are sick. Um, okay, so there you have it, guys. We'll review it again. Uh, how to disseminate good and bad business advice. Who's telling it? What are their incentives? 
Uh, what timeline are they giving giving it to you on? Hard versus the easy path. Short-term advice versus uh, long-term advice. Um, irreversible versus non-irreversible advice. Consider the generational context. And then finally, industry versus non-industry specific advice. So that's... Uh, Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that's going to help you guide how you disseminate information in the future, maybe who you listen to, what podcast you turn on, what podcast you turn off potentially. And yeah, we always look forward to helping you guys with, with our advice. So hopefully you didn't get to the end of this and decide that we give shit advice, but we'll continue to run gym. So if there are gym owners out there and we're giving free advice to help you guys, please always tune in. shit's free. You can't be mad about it. Yeah. No incentives here. We just want everyone to succeed. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll speak to you all next week. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, the My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to the mymuscleproject.com forward slash the after show. And if you ask a question, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.